0: This is the Conduit Church Teaching Podcast. Thanks for joining us. It's our mission to be a conduit of Jesus to the community in front of us and the world around us, starting with the teaching of his word. Enjoy the message. Open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter four in the the few minutes that we have here. I want to share with you something uh, simple, hopefully. Simple to me. While you're turning there, uh, I recently had a, uh, well, as you might have noticed, a 50th birthday party. Uh, they got canceled because of snow and ice, and I was kind of bummed or whatever. But my wife made up for it by giving me one of the greatest gifts I've ever received, an air, fr- an air fryer. Do you know about the air fryers? Yes, sir. How did I not know about the air fryer? Do you remember the Instapot? Like, that, 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 like the hype on the Instapot, I felt like the hype on the Instapot was a little over, overbaked. It was like the first Batman movie. It wasn't as exciting as I thought it was going to be. It sounded good on paper. But the air fryer, the hype is real. You know what I'm saying? The, those tater tots come out golden. It is. It's way more, it's just art. It's not science, it's art. And then at Christmas, my wife gave me and blessed me with the, uh, with, I would say, tied for first place uh, gift of the year, which was the Nespresso coffee machine. Yes. I think I will. <laughs> but, but you know what I mean. The hype totally lives up to the hype. Like that little that makes that sound, and it's like I'm in Europe. It's just glorious. It's pretty much the only thing I like about Europe, the more I think about it. The, the coffee is pretty good <laughs> these days. The hype is totally real. And as long as I use those gifts for what they were designed to do, my daily routine, my kitchen is glorious. <laughs> I wake up in the morning, and I get a little coffee thing, and throw maybe a little something in the, in the air fryer, and my day is just beginning very strong. Because the gift that she gave me is being used for what they are intended to be used. If I throw the Nespresso pod in the air fryer, it's, an, it's I don't know, I, we, someone do that and report back. I don't know what would happen. I feel like it would be bad. But in the same way, putting you know uh, like the tater tots in the Nespresso machine, that doesn't feel like it's going to work either. Because they're designed for very specific things, okay? You follow me. Ephesians 4, there are these five gifts that it says Christ himself gave to the church. Jesus gave these gifts. This is like the third of our triple set, right? The triple threat. Romans 12 was from God. The God gave these gifts, our Father. 1 Corinthians 12, those manifestations of the Spirit were from the Holy Spirit. Spirit. These are from Jesus And he has given these gifts And it is the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastors, and teachers To equip his people for works of service So that the body of Christ, listen, may be built up So I got the air fryer so the, the potato tots could be golden brown These gifts have been given so the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, Uh, as we always do when we approach his word, let's do it prayerfully. Heavenly Father, would you give us uh, wisdom today as we encounter your word and your wisdom? Uh, Would you speak through me? Would you speak instead of me? Uh, Would you speak better than me? As we seek what your word might be for us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. It's my opinion that these five gifts are not specifically for a, a local church. They are for the global church. In other words, right now, if you were to go to the Conduit Church website, you'd see the pastor, you'd see the, uh, the worship pastor. Do you know, by the way, the number one clicked link on a church website is the about page? Because you're looking for a picture to see is this guy a screwball or not? Pretty much. Do you know what I mean? I mean, and that's why we used to have to put you guys on the cover of Christian records back in the day. You're trying to look all smiley and trustworthy in your bibbed overalls or, or whatever was going on back then. Because you just want to make sure, is this guy an idiot? Like, and you're just trying to make a judgment call. But that's, that's the number one link that you've clicked on for a website to see about us, and it's going to be the worship pastor or whatever. Um, number two, by the way, and we don't have this on our website, so I can't confirm this. Uh, what should I wear? Did you know that, that they, the websites have that on there? And I guess it's important because it's the number two website, or a click on there. What do I wear? And as you can tell, when you come to Conduit, I don't care. <laughs> I, I can't imagine I have set the bar any lower than that. You know what I mean? You got nowhere to go but up for me. I mean, I swear, this is like a 20 year old gap long John shirt. I, I don't care. What? It's not a fishing shirt. It's not a fishing shirt. So my wife is pleased with that. <laughs> Man, I've lost the narrative. These gifts, okay, are not on our website because I don't think these are a local thing. These are a global thing, okay? To build up the church, not a church. There's a, there's a slight distinction there. Now, those gifts function inside of a church and they function outside of a church. But it is about the church, not a church, So when you see the word apostle, um, uh, the word sent one, it just means uh, sent one, missionary. Like the the first one in. That's why you see like Paul and those guys, they were called apostles. Whenever I teach this in a a foreign context in Haiti and I give the five, whatever, and we get back to that and we go to the Q&A part and their first question, hands shoot straight up, uh, how do I get to be an Apostle. Because they think it's like the big one. Like I want to be the apostle, and I generally will take them to First Corinthians and read Paul's resume. I have been snake bit, shipwrecked, beaten, imprisoned, scourged, oppressed, and now who wants to be an apostle? Like, you know, like it's not a. It sounds great on like on TV on TBN. The apostle sounds pretty good. You don't, you, don't you think? But in in the real world context of apostle, it's it's not a, a glorious gig. And then there's. Prophet, which is like so the apostles are gonna set the foundation, they're the ones that are kind of starting stuff. The the prophet's uh, revelation, mission, purpose. I, I we don't have time today, but I can I don't think this is the same picture that you would get from like Elijah or Elisha. But I would say that, just like Elijah and Elisha, they spent a lot of time getting yelled at and screamed at and chased out of town. Again. Don't put this on your business card. And let, you know what I'm saying? God will, if you're called to do this, you'll know because you're going to be getting chased out of town a lot. You won't have to wonder. Then there's evangelists. They're about salvation, about, about souls. They're sitting in the front row. Tim Bassanio is an evangelist. Now, is he an evangelist inside a church preaching and doing altar calls in this church? No. He's television, internet. How many this year, I mean, this is a, Like this year, how many souls do you think have come to Jesus through what you guys are doing? 15,000. That's impressive, right? He's called to be an evangelist. Just this past uh, couple weeks ago, uh, Carmen. Remember Carmen? Who's in the house? JC? You know, he went to be with Jesus. If you've been around Carmen for any length of time, you would hear Carmen say one sentence, if it's not about souls, I don't care. If we can't get souls saved, I don't care. He was not cool. He was not respected in the, the national music community. He was excluded out. But I'll tell you what, I don't know how much he cared because he just kept wanting to get people saved. So much so that he made a record called Radically Saved. But, but that's an evangelist gig. Th- then there's the shepherds. And the shepherds are about provision and, and protection. And So when I say I am one of the pastors here, you think, Pastor, you think it's a career choice that I'm the pastor of this church. And so, and I don't want to get like into the euphemisms and the language of it or whatever, but I say, well, I'm one of the pastors here because I just am one of the pastors here. But there are guys, there are shepherds in this church that are shepherds because they are about provision, they are about, they care for. James does such a great job of that. The work that he does, shepherding in the trenches on day in and day out and discipleship, provision with it, that is a shepherd kind of role. And then there are teachers. And we are full of a room full of teachers. And teachers, uh, Donna Van Leer, Tracy Rogers, like people that they just teach, they're clarifying the word. And one of the biggest awareness pieces that I got in this past year was that, because I was always confused. Am I like, like I could see this apostle thing on me because I would go, we'd go, I mean, Shannon and I would just go and start crap. Like that's been half of our life. We just start stuff. But I'm a pastor here, but a start stuff guy over there. Am I two different gifts because uh, actually what I want to be as a teacher, I feel like that's what I want to be. But I've learned that, no, 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 from the earliest days, I was just always going and doing and sending. That's an apostle. It's, and I've gotten in some per- precarious positions. Um, things that I wouldn't necessarily you know, want you along for, whatever, it's, it's, that's just part of the gig of being out on the, on the front of this stuff. And what I'm saying is that our church being led by me as this apostolic gift means it's going to look different than a church led by somebody who might have an evangelist gift. I'm not again. I'm not talking about local global. I mean local church governance. Local church governance. We have elders that are appointed that help lead and guide and keep me from doing really stupid things. And I, they're not yes men. Uh, most days, I wish they weren't. Actually, I wish they were. Never mind. I wish they were, yes, man, because sometimes it makes my life easier. But they have kept us from doing really dumb things because an apostle, I just want to keep starting stuff, and they help to rein it back in. That's how the local church governance works with it. But it's why we in our church family are different than, say, Tom McCoy, who is a great guy at Thompson Station Church just down the street. Eighteen people just last week got baptized at Thompson Station Church in just one service. It's amazing. And you know why? Because Tom McCoy is a redneck evangelist disguised as a pastor. That dude is all about souls. And so I could, as a pastor, feel shame as leading this church, because we're not getting 20 people a week baptized here, or I could recognize that Tom could feel shame because They're not setting free slaves in Southeast Asia. And I'm saying to you that neither of us should feel shame because we're staying in the lane and leading with the gift that God called and created, that Jesus has given to the church. And when we're all working together, it turns out the kingdom of God is built up and it's absolutely glorious. We just saw it this this past month. Remember this family, Amman and his family. Okay, an evangelist named Mark Bowling first goes to uh, Southeast Asia and he begins to preach and he begins to do giant open-air crusades and tens of thousands of people are getting saved every time. I mean, hundreds of thousands of people. Okay, amazing. That's an evangelist. This guy. I mean, I, I, we, I ran into him in Tulsa last week and. I feel like I'm talking to him about the brick kilns and whatever, and I I, I know I'm I'm actually talking to him, but he's not hearing me. All he's hearing is talking about getting people saved. Okay? But he's talking to me and I'm not hearing him, because all I'm thinking is, how do we get those people out of the brick kiln? Because they're living in slavery. Mark is not wrong, and I'm right. I am not wrong, and he is right. We are working together in the fivefold ministry gift of what we've been called to do. And, of course, what ends up happening is they get saved, and they get to go free and churches are planted because Mark is an evangelist. Churches are planted because people are getting saved all over, we are about to, as a church family, we've just dumped 10 or $12,000 into this. Uh, For every $100, a bus will be sent out to a village in this country, and a pastor will be on that bus, they will invite people from the village to get on the bus, and then they will come back to this open air crusade, the gospel will be preached, I swear people are going to get out of wheelchairs. Blind eyes are going to be opened. Deaf ears are going to come open. And he's going to say Jesus is Lord and Allah is not. And people are going to come to Christ. They're going to get back on those buses with those pastors and back into their communities. And churches are going to be planted because of an evangelist. Oh, and by the way, this is Amon's shop. He made bricks for 10 years of his life, and now he's a small business owner right? Pretty cool, huh? Because the work of an apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher, working together to change the world, to build up, what does he say? To build up, to equip people, verse 12, to equip people for works of service, though, that the body of Christ may be built up, okay? The, I, I, I hiked the Himalayas last year, and I had a Sherpa named Pasong. and what did Pasang do? He equipped me to hike the Himalayas. He looked at one look at my sleeping bag and said, you're going to die, don't use that one. We're going to get you a different one. <laughs> he looked at those shoes and said, are you a fool? Those aren't gonna get you, you're gonna get plantar fasciitis. Just kidding, he didn't say that, but that is what happened. Um, <laughs> he equipped me to do it. What we say here, with the local, the practical of this church, we're equipping people to get this stuff done. Equipping means when a next natural disaster happens here in America, you've been around Conduit maybe not very long, you're going to see a semi park right in the front. You're going to see people bring provisions and goods, and we're going to send teams, whether it's bass boats into Houston or semis into New Orleans, because we are equipping us to do the work of ministry that is a very practical thing that it is asking us to do very practical to do stuff that helps people loves people and serves them and then not just practical but positional because in positional if we're out there just doing the practical stuff of it then we're just the red cross we're just a social welfare program and let me tell you i grew up on welfare i got a free sandwich and i got no hope This is not about a free sandwich. This is about Jesus with a sandwich in your hand. And when the positional happens, verse 13, until we reach the unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. See, if we start walking out the practical without knowing where we're seated in Christ, we're gonna burn ourselves out. That's why the first three chapters of Ephesians are about your position of who you are in Christ. Chapter two, he says, he has raised you up to be seated with Christ in heavenly places. Before you walk, you gotta know where you sit. Where do you reside? Do you reside sitting next to Christ? Because then the work, the practical work of the ministry is no longer a burden or a bummer. It's just this natural blessing of being the body of Christ Christ. And again, I've said it a hundred times, what does the body do, what the head wants? That's all, right? Like right now, my head really wants some of that pizza in the air fryer at home. And what's gonna happen is my body is going to go accomplish the will of my head. <laughs> that's, the, that's it, that's the whole thing with following Jesus. Not about finding out what title it is. You know that Jesus wasn't so concerned about titles, he was concerned about obedience. I was on my third flight to Uganda, maybe second. Here's the thing the older I get, the more vividly I remember things that never happened. (laughs) That's a Mark Twain line, I give him credit. Whatever flight it was, this nice lady says, oh, what are you doing? Are you a missionary? And I, oh, no, no, we're, I'm not a missionary. We're, we're uh, drilling wells and building schools. And she says, well, well, that's a missionary. And I want you to know there was nobody more shocked on that plane than I was. Because <laughs> I thought missionary was, you know, you go to Wana Atsu and, like, interpret the Bible in, in their language, or, or you got to move your family into the bush of Indonesia, or you got to, I mean, like, you wonder why Ted Decker writes the kind of books Ted writes? That kid grew up in Indonesia, okay, as a missionary kid. Like his first language was clicks and pops, okay? So when, <laughs> when you read Decker's work, you're like, oh, that's how that happened. I thought that's what a missionary was. I just thought we were going to do some nice things for people. It turns out that's what a missionary is. And I say that because if we get wound up and caught up in trying to figure out which one of these we are, I don't know. That just feels pretty exhausting. Just follow Jesus. Be obedient. And whatever it is you start doing and finding is your, just that's going to be the gift. I'd love to tell you that I was brilliant enough to have planted a missionary church. I stumbled uh, backwards into it because the Lord was kind to me because I was just following Jesus. We were just following him. But positional, it started, I mean, quite honestly, we started this as a Bible study, and one of the first things I began to realize as I was studying the Bible chapter by chapter, verse by verse, I mean, here's how dumb I was. I thought I had invented expository preaching. I didn't even know that's what it was called. <laughs> I just, well, here's chapter one of uh, Genesis. Let's read that and see what Jesus says to us. Uh, and, but as we were doing that, the word of God went through me, and as the word of God went through me, it began to change me. Little by little, Uh, This is actually a a great, uh, James Clear says it this way that greatness is uh, consistency uh, is consistency. He says, Meditating once is common. This is from his book, Atomic Habits. Meditating once is common. Meditating daily is rare. Exercising today is simple. Training every week is simply remarkable. Writing one essay rarely matters. Write every day, and you're practically a hero. This is the line I wanted you to hear unheroic days can make for heroic decades. And he, from a very secular humanist perspective, just said what uh, Eugene Peterson said in his book, Long Obedience in the Same Direction. We get really caught up in the idea of I don't do something big and grand and I don't start my 501c3 and make it happen that I can't impact the world. What if it's just Tuesday? What if it's just I'm doing what God has put right in front of me? Those first few nights, weeks and months of those Bible studies, I mean, there was like, it was a bunch of 20-year-olds, With no offense to 20-year-olds, but you know, bass players and Starbucks baristas. and like, We didn't have any money. Like, we just were studying the Word and seeing what the God wanted us to do with the Word. I didn't know that I was a missionary. I, if anything, I thought I was just a rock and roll manager. And I bet that inside of you, as you begin to follow Him and your long obedience in the same direction, you're going to figure out who you are in Christ. And as you figure out who you are in Christ then it's no longer a burden or a bummer. You're just gonna follow him. Learn where you sit before you walk. And then the last thing on this is the idea of just the simple theological. And this day is not simple. The theological part is so important. The practical, right? The positional, but the theological. Verse 14, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves blown here and there by every wind of teaching. And dear Lord, is that not what's happening right now? And Isn't it exhausting? I can't even remember who's canceled or not. Do you know what I mean? Like canceled today and it's a new one that's canceled and I don't know who's canceled anymore. Every wind of doctrine. And it's happening in the church. And what we need to become mature, the kind of unity that we need is gonna come when we are unified, no longer every wind of doctrine. Interestingly enough, when he talks about this as unity, um, chapter three, you know, uh, beginning of chapter four, verse one or two, he talks about a, a, a unity that we are to keep. Keep the unity that you have. That's the unity in the spirit. And then back here in chapter four, verse 13, he talks about a unity that is we reach unity. So there is an achieved unity, Unity, and there is a received unity. The received unity is the unity of you and I in our position and our relationship with Jesus. When you and I step into the kingdom of God, that's chapter one, two, and three of Ephesians, we have received that unity. You and I are all baptized into the same spirit. That is received. The achieved unity is in the knowledge of faith, in the knowledge of the Son of God, in the teaching gifts of the New Testament someone that can say this is what heresy is and this is what heresy isn't. and The teaching gifts help us to then, when I know what is true, it anchors my boat so that I am not pulled around by every wind of doctrine. I am now safe and secure because of the teaching gifts that are here. My buddy, John Mark Comer, said this. out of if you know who John Mark is. He was in a rock band that I managed for about 10 minutes. I swear I'm not making... Do you, do you all... Do you know who John Mark Comer is? if I say that name? handful of you. He was in a band called Seven Places. I signed him. We're on the phone. We're so excited. We're like... Ah, 18 hours later, I get a phone call, and it's John Mark going real sheepish. Oh, hey, dude. Uh, I'm going to go start a church with my dad in Portland, and I'm really sorry, and I owe you one. And... Um, <laughs> Like, you do owe me one. Anyway, um, but here's what he says. This is a guy teaching in the middle of Portland, teaching orthodox sexuality, orthodox marriage, orthodox gender, and he says one of the great tragedies of the social media era is that it is eradicating an entire generation's capacity for slow, kind, thoughtful, nuanced, in-depth debate and conversation. And that's why we need the gifts of teaching, of the apest gifts here, so that we can, young people, old people, be grounded in the Word, so that we are anchored in the Word and not every wind of doctrine that comes along with us. I believe that there is a room full of apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds and teachers and you are waiting on permission from who I don't know to step into the calling that God has for you you know who I asked for permission to start a Bible study 18, 20 years ago? Nobody frankly it didn't occur to me that I needed to and you don't either If God has called you to teach, let me tell you what, if you're looking for a place to teach and you think that the only places to do it is right here, I I assure you, you were wrong. We got a great bunch of kids in the back every Sunday you could teach to. There are places all over town that you can go and teach the word of God. You're looking for a place to shepherd, to love, some of it's you you moms, homeschool moms, homeschool parents. Maybe your shepherding is shepherding your kids right in front of you. What if your greatest calling isn't to be the next great evangelist, but to raise her? Is that okay with you? To to start something, I am looking again at Jerry and Tracy Negrado, and you guys. Are, this is a ministry you wouldn't have chosen, but it chose you. This is about as apostolic of a move, punk rock, as I've ever seen. Which is to take mental and emotional health of what's happening in our country and saying, "Not on our watch." That's coming next week, two weeks, twenty. Okay, we're gonna keep that posted in there. Don't wait for my permission. When I look in the New Testament and you think about, well, I need a church covering, I, I don't even know what that means. I can see in the New Testament the, the covering of a, of a husband uh, over, or, over a wife, right, and Jesus over the church, but I don't see that Are well, you gonna have permission for me to go do what God has called you to do. Would you like a, you know, people to work with, with you with? and to serve? Oh, sure, absolutely. Well, we're happy to do that. But Bassania, who, who'd you ask, can I start MX TV? No right. <laughs> Jesus, I mean, you just was obedient. Just did what Jesus had to do. And in the words of uh, AA and recovery, they, they have this saying, it's just do the next right thing. Not the next big thing. Not the next start my 501c3. Get my nonprofit. Get my paperwork together. Just do the next obedient thing. And some of you, I'm going to say this and then we're done need to go back and still do the last thing that he asked you to do that you haven't done yet. Yeah, so put that in your pipe and smoke it. So stand up, and I want to pray for you. By the way, Andy, apostle of movie making, and Josh, welcome back. There's an evangelistic ministry that happens with this film company, with Kingdom Films. You, people getting saved in Saudi Arabia, people getting saved. And I can't go do an outdoor preaching thing in Saudi Arabia, but let me tell you where they're putting movies in the Middle East, because they want Western-influenced films. That's about as evangelistic as it gets. Ian just got back from India, creating worship music in Urdu and Hindi and the languages of the people Don't wait for my permission. Okay, God bless these people. (laughs) Shut me up, Jesus. Give them, (laughs) get them to lunch, Lord. (laughs) I'm so sorry. I pray that they're inspired today, uh, not because of me, but because of you and your Holy Spirit. And it's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.